everyone. Thank you for being here today. Welcome to Means of Creation, a weekly show where we are deep diving into the passion economy and talking about the future of work. I'm your host, Legion, along with Nathan Bachez. And today we're joined by a very special guest, Joe Albanese, who is the co-founder and CEO of Stir, a startup that's building tools to help creators run their businesses. So for instance, seeing how their business is doing in terms of revenue and audience growth, a calendar showing when various revenue streams are going to be paid, and collaboration tools with other creators. Many of you guys may know of Stir from some of their drops over the past few months, which included products like pre-subscribe, FYP.RIP, only tweets, and more projects. And last week, Stir just announced its public beta of its core product and also announced their $4 million seed round, which was led by Homebrew, XYZ Capital, Ludlow Ventures, with participation from some very heavy-hitting angels, if I may say so myself, because I was a part of it. <laughs> so full disclosure, <laughs> Lee is biased. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I am. And before starting Stir, Joe led product and design at Bitwise, was a product designer at Facebook, and was also an early employee at Yik Yak. And so today we're really excited to talk to Joe about why collaborations between creators matter, why they've been creating drops in the first place, and also how he ended up building for creators with Stir. And so without further ado, Joe, thank you so much for being on the show with us today. Hey guys, it's so great to be here. I, I was telling Nathan earlier, I, I don't usually do too much of these because I'm much better in like a closed circle and not feeling like people are, are, are watching, but I'm yeah. very grateful to be here. I was going to make a joke about like pretend the audience is naked, but I think it's too soon <laughs> after. Uh... Yeah, I mean, well, if they're all home. <laughs> they they're probably, probably are. Yeah, yeah, probably yeah. are. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let's, let's dive in. So Joe, I was revisiting our conversation over Twitter DM last night, and I think our story starts with this cold DM wherein you reached out to me around, maybe around this time last year or a little bit before, and you had this really charming first DM to me, which was, quote, highly exclamation mark, I'm an SF-based entrepreneur building a company in the influencer stack space. I saw your thread today and thought it might be productive to chat more. Do you have an email I can share a deck and a blurb with? And the rest is history. Wait, but did you reply? <laughs> I did not reply for about another month. You did reply? Eventually I did reply. I replied. I was just- What a charming entry. I was just a reply. little bit late with my reply, but I did reply. But I'd love to hear the backstory of what were the events that sort of led up to that? What's the backstory of like how you became passionate about creators in the first place? I know that you went to art school. I think there was like a backpack business somewhere in there as well. And so I'd love for you to just lay that out for us. Totally. So there's a, there's a few parts to this story that I think when they all come together, it, they start to make sense for why I'm doing this. So it all started when I was working at Facebook and that we were doing some groups research. I was working on Facebook groups. And part of research at Facebook is you'll invite certain users to come to campus and you'll run like this, this sort of session with them. You'll walk them through certain products you're thinking about building and, and you'll ask some questions. So part of my responsibility was to go to like the front desk and go pick up the you know, research candidate and walk them to the research room. And um, this particular person was, she was a, a single mom in her mid, you know, early 40s. And she ran a group called Moms in the Bay Area. I think it had like 30,000 members or something. And I start, you know, just 
asking a little bit more about her, like, where are you from? When did you start the group? Different things that like whoever, whoever set this up said already know, and just to get them comfortable. And we start chatting and, and, and I ask a question to her. I'm like, how much of your time during the week do you spend on this Facebook group? And like her, her face just like completely flipped. She's like, like, what do you mean? Like, this is my full-time job. This is how I provide for my family. And I'm just like, wait, what? Like a Facebook group is your full-time job? And she goes, yeah, like I do local brand deals with like, you know, mom pop shops where moms want to shop. I have a thriving Amazon affiliate links business. She had hacked a Patreon to like get people, supporters to pay and then would put them in a closed Facebook group because Facebook didn't have paid communities. And then she would pay out moderators on Venmo and then would like track her cash, like, you know, where she was going to get paid in the notes app on her iPhone. In that moment, I was just like, two thoughts came to my head. One was, what a stack. <laughs> this is kind of incredible. Uh, but, but more so like this business, like, 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 oh my goodness, like the world has just sort of been unlocked. Of course, there's tons of people running businesses like these. It makes so much sense. And like, it almost felt like it had been unlocked and the world was never going back. And, and that was really fascinating to me. And then two was, this wasn't someone that woke up one day and said like, I'm an entrepreneur and like, I'm going to go mine Facebook, you know, like audience to go build a business on top of. It was a mom that cared deeply, had a passion for a very specific community and, and could bring people together. And then out of that was born a business. And she sort of had to become an entrepreneur on top of that. And then built out her stack, which was like this, you know, hodgepodge of like Venmo, the notes app and these mix of tools. And I, I just thought that was incredible. And that, that, that thought stuck with me for, for, for a while. I didn't leave my job that day and, and, and start stirs. It was like, you know, two, two, two and a half years ago, but it stuck with me for a while. Second to that is I, I, I don't have a Netflix account. I, I only really watch YouTube, Twitch. I've been watching creators forever. I, I love the authenticity behind the person. Authenticity is really important to me. And I just think the storytelling format is, is, is more on board with kind of what I'm looking to connect with. And, and two, I, I also just think creators in general, like, I love their bravery, right? Like, they're, I, I respect the, like, anti-institution of, of, like, their bravery. And I have so much respect for that, right? They're like, you know, I'm going to go on YouTube and I'm going to build an audience and like, I'm going to connect with these folks. I, I just love that. They're totally bucking the trend. And that's something I've always deeply connected with. The backpack business so like this, 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 the first two, the backpack business is also funny. So maybe drops have showed this uh, in Stir's culture, but like, I just have a bias towards action and everything I do. And I had wanted to, I just like was reading a lot of WebSmith and like DTC stuff. Mm -hmm. And I'm just feel like, all right, I'm done reading. I need to go build. So I built a backpack <laughs> brand <laughs> literally from scratch. And in it four still weeks. exists, right? It still exists. You can buy a backpack. It'll be sent to you. I'm the only one that, that sort of works on it. It's shrugbags.com, S-H-R-U-G-B-A-G-S.com. <laughs> nice. They're, they're um, well-designed backpacks, I have to say. They're okay. They're okay. They, I mean, like, their, their own inventory. They're not drop shipped. I designed the brand and the website and, and the 3PL. Oh my God, Hunter. Yeah, <laughs> um, Hunter said in the chat, I missed this in my deal diligence. <laughs> this is a red flag. <laughs> Show has a side hustle. Yeah. I found in that process, wow, like I was able to put this entire thing together 
but now I got to go get it in front of customers. And like one of the first ways of doing that was like, okay, let me go work with a, a few creators. And I was like, wait, I was so good at putting all this other stuff together, but like the reach is so important, right? Like yeah, the distribution is so important. Like that is just where the world's going. If you have that, you can build all these incredible businesses on top of it. And I think the combination of that sort of led me to, I was just building so much and, and, and was so inspired that eventually I left my job. I literally just left a year ago, October 1st, and was like, okay, I'm going to work on STIR. The idea that we're working on today, it was like one of the possible things that I could do. But I said, I'm just going to research as much as possible and spent like, you know, the next six months being a student. And I know there's some questions about like some of the things I wound up doing. <laughs> but yeah, I remember that time period where you were flying back and forth from LA and just spending yeah. a lot of time visiting all these creators and talking to their managers. And it's interesting to hear you t tell this story. I, I feel like we've mind melded a little bit over the past year and hearing you talk is kind of like hearing myself talk and other people who know both of us also remark on this. It's like <laughs> we, we share a brain almost in terms of creators. But yeah, I very much resonate with this idea of like how creators represent the segment of the economy that's bypassing traditional intermediaries in the form of a company that had intermediated them and the mm -hmm. ability to make an income. And now they're, they're earning revenue by building a relationship with an audience and monetizing that audience through various means, whether it's advertising or selling merchandise or offering video courses or coaching or something. But the issue that a lot of people don't recognize about being a creator is that it doesn't just entail creating content and doing the core of what you see as a customer. It also entails actually running a business and being the CMO, the COO, the chief sales officer negotiating contracts with brands, being the accountant and chasing down accounts receivables. And creators have to manage all of these parts of their business that they never really had expertise in or they aren't actually really that passionate about. And so STIR, the, the product that you launched with last week is aimed at helping creators manage all of the administrative work, right? For, for mm -hmm. their business so that they can actually mm -hmm. focus on creating. Maybe you can just describe a little bit, like what is the feature set that you're launching with and how you arrived at the core product? Totally. So the first thing I'll start with is that I think a common misconception is that creators are not business savvy. That, that is not the case at all, actually. In fact, they are incredibly business savvy. They just need more leverage so that they can like continue to like, because the end product is, is creativity, right? Or is connection or is community. And, and like what we believe is like the, the, the value out of STIR is like, we want to help you make these things easier so you can like be more creative and focus on, on the stuff that like your, your end product really is. When I think about our products, that is like what I try and that's what I believe our team sort of tries to focus on is like, you're not a bad COO or CFO, like you need us. It's very much like, we know you're good at these things. We want to make them a little bit easier so you can focus on, on, on the things that matter to what you sell. Early on in the year, when I was doing all this research, I was just seeing, I was just trying to identify the trends, the way they, the, the way they sort of behaved already, like the existing behaviors. And I found all these really interesting things. So you know, I had mentioned the like notes app on, on the iPhone for tracking cash. Like that is just cash flow management, but in this like incredibly simplified way that worked for this person, right? An another thing that we found was just like, I don't know if Patreon, like you can't actually, like your analytics dashboard can't be shared with anyone, which we thought was like really interesting. A lot of these tools are traditionally made in like the single player sense. 
Yeah. Right. They're always built with the, with the one person in mind. And it, and it just sort of felt like that's just not actually how it plays out. And maybe Nathan, like you've seen this too, right? Like, you know, you're, you're good to, you're good alone, but if you, or what's that quote, if you want to go far, go, you want to go fast, go, go alone. If you want to go far, go with the team. Yeah, exactly. And that totally. is so true in, in the creative ecosystem, right? And you see it in all these different ways. You see it with duets on TikTok. You see it with collab culture on, on, on YouTube. You see it with like these sort of like paired giveaways in, on, on Instagram. You see it with like what, what, what I mean, you see what we, you guys are doing here, right? Like, right. Yeah, you're like, let's, let's put this together, right? So it's like to, to, to grow, you start to pair. And it felt like, okay, there's something there and there's all these existing behaviors. How do we sort of like, build better tools to make it easier to work with one another. Another thing that we saw that I thought was always fascinating what, and how collective sort of came about was I saw um, these two creators, they were like working on a, on a merch deal together. And like the way they formalized, like, okay, we're working together now was they started a group chat on, on iMessage <laughs> and they named the group chat, like the collab or like whatever they were, they were working on. And, and in my mind, I was just like, starting a business with another person should be as easy as starting a group chat. Like, how do we enable that behavior and allow for that? Cause like, it just happened in front of me, like, but it's, it's limited in what it can do. Cause it's in an iMessage thread. Like what, what else could it, what could be power at like 10 X. And so we started all these trends. How do we make that easier? It was hard to know, like, you know, they were using these, like the notes app on our iPhone and then how collaborations are happening. And that is how the core product sort of came about and what we launched with last week in our. In our yeah. Program. Cool. So like, I'm curious to hear just like super concretely, what is, what is the core product? Like what yeah. is the replacement for the notes app? You know? <laughs> yeah, totally. So the first is what we call like the overview and it's, it's everything in one place, right? So none of these platforms speak with one another. You don't actually know if you're, you know, you, and it's just not the case where you're on one, right? So we let you say, Hey, here's how your YouTube is doing in relative to your Patreon is doing in relative to, you know, your brand deals or your affiliate business. Um, doing so in terms of, much revenue is flowing through like you're getting this much from youtube ads and you have this much in patreon yeah. support or whatever and you can it's almost like mint for creators mint. yeah yeah aggregate mint, different mint for, accounts yeah yeah and the power there is an aggregation right yeah. the way to do this traditionally would be like do it yourself in a spreadsheet which is hard manual and not not always accurate or like pay an account to do it quarterly i've seen that but like we allow you to do it with just a few clicks, just plug in and play and let these things sort of communicate with one another. And the way we set it up is like, you know, you can see how does my Patreon do directly in correlation to my YouTube, right? You can just sort of filter them on and off. And that that's really powerful for giving you like a sense of how things are going. The second feature that we've launched with is what we call upcoming, which I like to call a calendar for your money. <laughs> so it's basically just a list of like, anytime a platform is going to pay you out, we actually know when they're going to pay you out. We can identify that and we can put it in like, Hey, you're making this much from YouTube this month. You're making this much from your podcast. You can expect this much from, you know, Stripe on your, on your Substack, right. which is like the, the replacement for, for the notes app. And just then like knowing how much cash you can expect is so critical, especially in like yeah. the early ish phases when maybe like yeah. your audience is really growing. It's your, your money is starting to take off, but like, can you do this full time? You think you can? Are you going to yeah. drop like that shift at the cafe or whatever where you work, like or not? That kind of stuff is like so critical in so many platforms, especially with the creators that you know they they they're losing that regularity of like a bi monthly pay stub. Like they're not getting paid on a regular basis. They're not getting paid a consistent amount, and so I'm yeah. sure that having that calendar view of when can I expect to receive yeah. what amount really helps with planning. 
Yeah, they don't they don't have salaries, right? I, I always think I go back to to like the people example and like the emotion of the product, which is like, you know, if I go back to like the single mom, right, from the Facebook group, and it's like, this woman is deciding how she's going to pay rent this month, or like how she's going to pay for her kids education or her car bill, right? Like, having that calendar, and she knows and she can like easily glance and understand, okay, great, I can expect this, I know I'm going to be able to pay my bills and put this money towards this other thing. It's just incredibly powerful. I, I always tell people like we we have like, you know, SMD customers with like consumer level expectations and problems, right? It's just a completely different customer type that has wildly different needs than other one, other types of like SMBs, if you wanted to call them that. And then the last feature that you launched with is the collectives feature, right? So I'd love to hear a little yeah. bit more about that. Yeah, yeah. You know, we had noticed that people are work together, right? You just wind up working together with other folks. And how did we, how do we sort of like take that and I'm trying to use my words wisely here, but like help it grow up a little bit and almost professionalize it. Like, you know, it's just not the case where you want to get into like messy S corps with like everyone you work with. You kind of just want to work with other people and, and know that the, like the back office and like shared stuff is just trusted and done and simplified and like put on autopilot. And collectives sort of allow those types of behaviors to exist where it's like three clicks and you can start a business with whoever you want. And we allow you to share all the analytics on the stuff you work with together. So like a Shopify store, uh, a YouTube episode or a series. And we also let you split the payments. So we've built the ability to like click on a single YouTube video and split the AdSense from it or, or a specific podcast and split the CPMs from it. A single item on Shopify. I always tell creators like, you know, you're just selling your own products in your store. Sure. That's good. But you're having 200,000 people visit the store every week. <laughs> like what if you could start to sell other people's products in the store and, and, and get a small percentage from that because of like who you are. So it's almost kind of taking these creators and actually help them like build more network solutions and create new revenue streams for them. The other thing that we find from collectives is actually winds up lowering the barrier to entry for a creator and changing sort of like what it means to be a creator. We have this really interesting example right now on the platform called the Arak Allegiance. I love this one. So they came up with this one. We didn't like, it's always fun when you're like creators send you these ideas where basically they host these brainstorms every Friday and they invite a bunch of folks that are just creative in general, but like would not create their own YouTube channel. And they come up with these ideas together and then everyone gets a few points on that YouTube episode because they help with production and, and maybe like scheduling and operations and they put the scene together. And then when they produce the video, everyone winds up getting paid for that video. And it's like, now they are a creator in the sense of how Stir would identify and like them feeling like a creator, but they didn't have to create their own YouTube channel and go through all this other work. It's really fascinating. Like what this, I, I really view collectives as like a new tool and we're learning quickly of like how people are going to adopt it. But it's fascinating to see like some of the the, the the use cases on the platform. Totally. Yeah, it's really interesting. I I feel like collectives is the incarnation of this idea that I read in a book that was published 20 years ago called Free Agent Nation by Daniel Pink. It's it's this book that was published in the early internet days, and yet so many of its predictions have come true, and it's just this really prescient book. And in this book, he talks about the notion that free agents, they may be bowling alone, but they're not going it alone. Mm -hmm. And he talks about how we're transitioning from this era of society in which we had vertical loyalty, so loyalty that flowed to an authority figure or to an institution, to an era in which 
the new loyalty flows laterally. So we're going from vertical to horizontal loyalty. And so the loyalty instead is to teams, colleagues, ex-colleagues, clients, customers, professions, families, and friends that you're collaborating with on a regular basis. And that kind of strong network of mutual trust and respect is what helps you to be a free agent and to be successful in your business rather than just being a really great, like managing upwards or managing downwards. And I think that collectives is like one of the first incarnations that I've seen of this idea as a, a product. A lot of people don't recognize just how much collaboration is happening in the creator economy because it's kind of hidden from view and a lot of these tools are designed for single players, but a lot of them are being bent for groups and collaborations, sort of like, you know, how we sort of use Substack and the bundling feature of Substack. Totally. And and I think the reason why people are doing it is just because it works. Like the top two Substack publications are bundles. You know, we're despite kind of being nobodies like in the top 10, you know, and like imagine if we had like some actual famous people, <laughs> not that we're no, Lee is, Lee is the star of the group. But other than that, everybody, uh, but you know, it, it works really well because I think that everybody needs a team and everybody, everybody could use cross promotion. And there's just a lot of kind of creative fertility and working in groups and having some set of shared values and shared tastes, but having, having different members be able to kind of do their own thing, put their own twist on it. It's just a structure that works. And I think we'll start to see a lot more of it. But also I think that people will say, oh, it's just reinventing media companies. Like it's one of those like, you know, publications, congratulations, you've invented a publication, you know, like there's nothing really new here. But I think there actually is something new here. And I'm curious what to you the differences are between a traditional media company structure and more of the like collective type thing that's emerging. Yeah, totally. I mean, we're, we're definitely still learning. I don't have all the facts in front of me with like what we're going to learn with collectives. I will say like one thing that I don't want to say it bothered me. It actually, it bothered me a little bit. I didn't want the creator economy to be like, we just sit and wait until like someone from the New York times leaves and starts to substack. It just felt like if like, I don't know, I, I don't want it to turn out like that. I want it to be like, like for me, the goal is like, how do you make it work? anyone can like feel like they can become a creator full-time. Like, how do you lower the barrier to entry that much and give them the tools to be able to be successful? And I think, you know, we start can't do all that, right? It requires that like more innovation and more platforms come about, but like we can do our part and the strength and numbers approach is like maybe the best strategy or, you know, a good strategy. So that was another reason why I thought it was that we should do it. The difference in like a publication, the collective, I mean, I, I, I actually really like, we can talk about the content as a different subject, but like, I really like the Barstool model, right? Where it's like Dave and, and Barstool is the creator in a sense that has the reach. And they basically said like, we're going to bring other young, you know, professional creative folks on board and work with them and sort of build them up. So I think like collectives in some way sort of helps almost platformize that model. And in a way could allow like a lot more creators to be successful. So I'm excited to see that. And I think if, if that's successful, like it, it could yeah give like some of the larger media companies some issues, but it, it's too early to tell. Yeah, totally. I think the thing there that's, to- that's really key is like kind of the, the shared upside and like skin in the game and ability to yeah. define a little bit more of your own creative vision. I think within Barstool, there's a lot of good examples of people who have their own brands, right? That's like, it doesn't have to feel just like a, like when you write for the New York Times, like it's got to feel like a New York Times story. They've got a house style. The same thing with like, you know, the New Yorker, the Atlantic, there's like very specific sort of editorial like 
and it's fuzzy, but it's like, this is, we're trying to make an argument here at the Atlantic, right? The New Yorker are really trying to tell yeah. stories. Like they've got these like sp- very specific ideas that they want you to go for. Whereas you can kind of, there, there's more latitude and it's more like you've got your own brand on the thing. Yeah. Well, one thing too, that we're not blind to that we try and be super mindful of is that collab culture historically is like very good natured, right? The m- movement of money is like not as prevalent, at least on like the YouTube scene as, as like we're now trying to, 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 in some ways endorse. So we try and be like super mindful of that and like our messaging and our approach uh, and our understanding. And, and I think like in our product, at least like how we message a collective is, you know, we're not like take money from that person and a collab, like start asking for your cut when you work with another person. It's, it tries to be more uh, ambitious and more like positive and optimistic where it's like, you know, don't just be a streamer, start a gaming team, right? Like don't just sell your merch, start a shared storefront. So it tries to be really enforce some of the enablement and like the capabilities of working with other folks than like the super capitalistic sort of like, you know, take advantage of your value sort of method. Understanding a history of the creator space, I think, is the most important thing anyone building in this space can do. Seriously, like, I, I'm so grateful for the time that I spent early on, which was like, just talking to as many folks as I possibly could, reading as much as I could, understand it, like, you know, on YouTube, like, understanding the history of MCNs, and, and that, that everything that played out there, and, and not trying to repeat some of the same mistakes, looking at some of these platforms and their business models and how they've changed over time, you know, you, you really built, you... To, to build for creators, I think you have to have deep empathy, deep, yeah. deep empathy. Yeah. Or even to just try one's hand at being a creator themselves. Like this is something yes. that I've challenged myself to yes. do as an investor yeah. is try to live the passion economy. And by yeah. the way, just along those lines, I want to put in a little plug for our newsletter that we put out every week. It's called Means of Creation, and we break down um, the weekly news related to creators in the passion economy. You can find it at meansofcreation.substack.com, and please support us. Um, but yeah, I, I love That's that. That's a key post. aspect of being a creator is shameless self-promotion. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still getting used to that. Empathy. That was good. That was very, that was very, it was kind of like seamlessly woven in there. No, it wasn't. It was, it was perfect. But no, I think that, I think that that's so, that's so true. The point about like, you know, really having deep empathy for users. Like if this is something you really want to focus on, you really want to build for like becoming one of those people, at least to some level to kind of understand what it feels like and to spend a lot of time talking to people and researching is, is just, is critical. Sorry, Lee, you were going somewhere else with that. I felt bad. Yeah, no, 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 exactly. That was, that was totally my point because I mean, it, it looks one way from the outside and it looks very effortless because, you know, selection bias, like we see the creators who are successful. We don't see the ones with no views because by definition, we're not looking at it. And so it's been a really interesting journey for me personally to just see how hard it is to grow a paid newsletter. I think per the latest stats, our YouTube channel is now like 600 subscribers. And I was really, really celebratory of that fact. And I was like, now we're one 30,000 the size of David Dobrik. Like (laughs) we only have to grow 30,000 times from here. But anyways, enough about us. I also want to talk to you a little bit about 
all of the really interesting drops that you've put out in the last few months, some of them have gotten a ton of attention. There was only tweets, which is exactly what it sounds like, a sort of private feed for Twitter that let creators monetize their tweets. There was pre-subscribe, which let people subscribe and support creators before they went independent. I'm really curious around the strategy around how you're thinking about these drops, like why do these drops in the first place? It seems a little bit unconventional for an early stage startup. And yeah, what is the strategy going forward? Totally. I'd love to tell the story of how we came up with them. I can't sit in front of you guys right now and be like, we had this very clear drop strategy because we knew it was going to, you know, in blah, blah, blah. No, none of that. It, you know, sort of turned into that. But it, it started, I think I shared a tweet. I don't have a link in front of me, but could we share with the audience? So a few months ago, Mixer, which is Microsoft streaming service, had shut down. And basically told all the streamers on, on the platform that had reached partner status, which means you can monetize by ads, that they had to reapply for partner status on Facebook gaming. And of course, a lot of the streamers are like, I don't, I don't want to stream on Facebook. So now I just have to start from scratch on, on, on Twitch. So, you know, that tweet is basically these streamers sort of having the most reaction to that. And, you know, Stir's mission, and we're like insanely mission driven, seriously, like insanely mission driven is, is to empower creators to run great businesses. An aspect of running a great business is, is having more than one revenue stream and, and not being too dependent on one. My background is also as a designer. So I, I believe in like very emotion driven product building. So when I saw this tweet, my, I got, a, I got emotional. Like, I, I think I like got really emotional where I like almost, you know, teared up myself and we have a big writing culture internally. So I wrote a note to the team over email and I, and I included this tweet and I said to the, something to the effect of, as we build and we focus on our mission, like think of these people, think of this emotion as we, we consider building products, right? Like if we don't push for our mission, this is what can happen. So I sent that email to the team and, and my co-founder, Kshal, <laughs> sends me a note like immediately after that's like, we should build something for them. <laughs> and I'm just like, sounds like a distraction, but sure, go like, I don't know, what do you want to build? Let's, let's go figure out. He goes, I don't know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go look at the API and then I'll get back to you. I'm like, okay, done. So pings me like an hour or two later, and he's like, I think we can build this tool that allows these streamers to export their, their follower lists. And I'm like, okay, that kind of sounds interesting. And he's, he, I'm like, let's DM a few Mixer streamers if they'll use it. And he's like, okay, so we do. They're like, yes, we will. We spin up a site. We, we like literally finish it at three in the morning, launch it at 10 the next day. And 1200 creators wind up using it in the first like 24 hours or something. And like, we were just floored by like, wow, this space like having like a software team that can build really quickly in this space, such like really powerful because you can like build these tools for them. And also 1200 creators came through our door. Yeah. <laughs> that was like, you know, a hundred X that we had like spoken to in six months. So it was just like the leverage of, of building. And also too, we're an early stage startup. So it made sense to like hedge our bets a little bit on, on what we're building. And, and we really floored by that. So we're like, and I had just watched Mr. So I was like, maybe there's something here where like every time something comes up, we try and build really quickly and, and we, we sort of build around it. Uh, and that eventually became our, our drop strategy. So we like turned it into that. But that is the story of how it started. And I think it had all these amazing side effects. One is Stir became a creator itself through these drops, where we eventually launched our core business. We like people knew who we were. They had known that the brand standard for creators. It wasn't like we just said, oh, we're Stir and this is our product. It, like the response was just much more positive from like uh, customers that like, either knew about the brand, knew what we stood for, knew about our mission, or like 
you know, we were able to get in front of them. So it was really powerful. And two, it like just built all this empathy amongst the team, like how fast to build, knowing that like the creator matters at the end of the day and, and how we could focus on their needs. And I'm really, really proud of those, those aspects of it. Yeah, yeah totally. I, I think it's also a great way. Well, A, it's an amazing way to get the stir name in front of creators on a regular cadence, right? Like I think without that, the way that you guys were having conversations with creators, it was very manual. It was in person. It was flying down to LA, yeah. arranging meetings, talking yeah. to them one by one. And all of a sudden with the mixer experiment and then with like FYP.RIP, all of a sudden there were thousands or tens of thousands of people coming through, seeing the Stir brand, building that trust and affinity for the brand itself. And then I think it's also a great way to sort of keep a pulse on what is happening in the market and not mm -hmm. just build in isolation and this vacuum on like what you think is needed, but be really responsive. And like this whole ecosystem is evolving so rapidly. Like yeah. the, there's news about the various platforms coming out on a weekly basis and there's so much going on that I think the creator needs are evolving really rapidly too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think new, so I consider this like a new market. 100%, even though YouTube's been around for 15 years. And the, like, it's funny, you talk to YouTubers sometimes, like, why do people think this is so new? <laughs> and I'm like, I, I know, I totally get you. But new, new markets just require like model flips and new and like innovative solutions. And drops are like a way for us to test new things and get in front and see like what sticks. And I think pre-subscribe is like an interesting notion. And, and only tweets, or let's talk about those two really quickly. Whereas like the first two are very much like reactive, like Trump's going to ban TikTok and we should build something. Pre-subscribe is like, I remember talking to a friend who is a creator who went full-time. They were thinking about going full-time and um, they were like, well, what's preventing you? And they're like, well, I just don't know the cold, you know, the cold start problem. I just don't know how many people will support me when I actually go. And like, sure, I have my Twitter following, but like, you know, I just don't know. And I was like, that's a fascinating, like, what if you could solve that problem, right? You could like, fans could show their support before the creator ever goes independent. And like, we just built it. Like, I think pre-subscribe we built in three days, like idea on a napkin to launch product in three days. Then when I, when we, after we built that, I, I learned with pre-subscribe, I was like, man, Twitter just has like the largest creator network that is, they deliver all the value to the platform. And if they, and you guys surely noticed, right? Like, they want to monetize in any way, they're forced to pay this conversion tax, which is effectively like, go start a Substack, go on Patreon, go like, you know, go do this. Like there is no native way. And, you know, a new market, we need to push it. For, I, I think Stir, Stir has responsibility to push it as far as we can. So we weren't, you know, we're not going to wait for Twitter to build it. So we'll just do it for them. And then we chose like, you know, the most obnoxious name possible. <laughs> 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 no, it's uh, good. Yeah. Side note, I think someone should start an OnlyFans competitor where you're actually selling fans, like electric fans and portable AC units. I think that would be really cute. <laughs> That's like a Nathan Fielder type. Like, Brilliant. Yeah. I love it. I'm curious, like, so I, I'm guessing if I were in your shoes and I had these ideas and I had investors and I was kind of like going to have to email the investor saying like, Hey, we're, I, we're still building the main thing that we pitched you on, but like, also we're doing this other stuff that uh, I would, I would have a little bit of trepidation. I'm mm -hmm. curious if you did or how those conversations went, or I think that's yeah. the most interesting <laughs> thing about the, the strategy is like, clearly it works in the sense that 
you've been able to build a really big brand and attract a lot of customers. It's kind of like, on the one hand, it's totally counterintuitive and crazy. On the other hand, it's just kind of like content marketing. You know what I mean? Except instead of publishing 12 billion posts that each get a tiny amount of traffic from like SEO, you're just doing a couple of really big things that like go viral and you use software engineers rather than writers or whatever to like create the content marketing. So like on the other, it's like totally straightforward and also completely radical. But like, anyway, I'm curious how the, how the investor conversation went. And it's especially interesting to me, given that Hunter is uh, in the room and Lee's right here too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is a great question. I'm going to answer in two ways. So one is, I mean, I'm a first time founder. So like, I don't think I ever asked our investors for permission to build this. We kind of just sure. did it and I told them about it. I think I told, I might've like pit, prepped them the day before and, and just built it. So that's like the conversation. I, I think the second thing too, I found and, 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 and is like, I would encourage anyone building a company to follow this advice. This is the best advice I think I can give. I found there was a point in Stir's journey, probably like around maybe, maybe after Goodbye Mixer or something or, or the TikTok thing. I found like Stir's greatest strength is when Kashal and I, my co-founder, like lean into our authenticity, like really, really lean into like who we are and like understand what our strengths and our weaknesses are and like just always operate on that, that axis. I mean, we built a product called Only Tweets. <laughs> like that's us. That's who we are. As much as we can humanize the brand, we want to do that. And I think it feels more long-term oriented, right? Like if we were just kind of following a playbook that I felt like our investors set up for us, like it leads to burnout and we wouldn't, we, it would be almost be like a limiter on us. And maybe that's not great advice, but that's kind of how we've been operating. And, and that's how I want to continue to operate. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. And just on behalf of myself, not the other investors, but, you know, I think given that Stir is such an early stage company and we invested at the seed stage like we well i i invested in stir very much for the founders not for a particular idea like i think that the idea is great and i think that there's a need for it but at the end of the day i'm placing my trust in joe and kushal to determine like what is going to be really impactful to to work on and to build and so like i think at the early stages investors aren't so much tied to the particular product that they're going to market with versus the, the broader market opportunity plus the founding team. Great. It's a very enlightened point of view. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot, it's, no, I think it really is. Cause it's, I think there's a lot of wisdom in things that you kind of want to do, but you think other people might think is dumb. It's like, yeah. those are always the best things, you know, <laughs> like when you, you yeah. just do the thing and you're like, this would be great, but like, it seems like we shouldn't like, I don't know. What if we yeah. did? Yeah, I think yeah. the only, uh, I can actually explain like, so the only, there was literally like a line item in our drops ideal list that was like only fans for Twitter. Like that's literally the line item. <laughs> it was like massaged into the, into the mission. But like, you know, when I, when we look at drops for what we're going to do, I always tell the team, like, what do we get the most excited about? Like, what is the thing that like you wake up in the morning and you're thinking about the next day? And then we can take that seed or like that, that clay and sculpt it into something that like is around our mission. I think like the team and the founding team, like finding like what they organically get excited about and then build it, turning it to something else. And then I find it's really important to follow that like methodology of building. Yeah. Love that. Well, in the last 10 minutes, I love to turn it over to the audience for their questions. There's a couple of questions that came in in the chat thread that maybe we can just quickly get out of the way. There's a question around how many people are currently on the STIR team? How many employees are there? There's five of us. 
full time. And then what's funny is our Slack has like 12 or 13 folks. So the longest time it was just Kashal and I. And I don't know, we're people, people, like we wanted more folks. So anytime we do a drop with someone, we, we, we kept them in a specific channel in our Slack. So they're like free agents, right? Like we work with them and we kind of hang out with them, but it's, it's five full time folks. Yeah. Nice. And then there was another question. Does anyone know how old Joseph is? Oh man, I'm very sensitive about my age. So I identify as Gen Z, but I'm 28. <laughs> so like you think that's too old? Yes, it's way too old. Yeah. Oh my God, Joe. It, yeah, you're kind of on the borderline between millennial and Gen Z. <laughs> I know. I is know. he but really he though? I have like the young, I, I think I have you're the millennial. <laughs> straight up millennial. I'm, yeah. You're straight yeah, up millennial, Joe. Straight up. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> I think we all are here on the panel. We ha- we have a question from Max. Great to meet you, Joe. I would love to hear a little bit about how you're thinking about drops now that your main product is is out in the wild. Are you going to keep bringing people in at the top of the funnel with these, and uh, what kind of role are those going to play moving forward? Yeah, totally. I think our gut tells us it's responsible to do lead gen for the core business. And also we've created these a new primitive called the collective and a function of a primitive that's like a split. And I think we probably have like, uh, there's an education hurdle to sort of, sort of jump with that. So I can imagine drops sort of tying ourselves to how do we like show people how these can be used in really powerful ways and using the drop mechanic as a way to do that. But if we notice an opportunity where a tool needs to be built, we will not like sit and wait for someone to do it. And the FYP mixer and, and the only tweets tool have showed us to do that. So I, I think we, we will keep that spirit alive. If we think something should exist, we're just going to do it. I wanted to ask how different does your product look from say the deck that you send to Lee and other investors when you're fundraising? How much of that was uh, as planned and how much are you improvising as it goes? Great question. In the seed deck, there was no concept of a collective. We were doing some of the splitting stuff and the like CFO in a box type work, like put all your stuff, like the upcoming section, the overview section and splits were all a thing, but collectives were, were, were something we came up with over, over the summer. So yeah, it definitely changes. I mean, and then another thing too is like, we are not the team that is like going to build this incredibly impressive, like overscoped project and then launch it. We're very much like our customers tell us what they want pull on. So like in terms of like the, the platforms that we'll split from, we, we like, we literally like put our ear to them and tech or text them and say like, what, what would you want to split? Okay. We'll go build it for you. I would say our level of depth, our early customers is incredibly strong. They call me all the time. We help them with things that are just like out, outside of like what we probably should do, but we're willing to work with them on. I've helped creators do their taxes. I've helped creators get money back from shady mechanics. A lot of money, actually. I gave one of them my car <laughs> to use in a video. <laughs> yeah, uh, one day I'm, I'm sure I'll give the conversation like, how'd you get your first 10 customers and like in the craziest ways possible. I've gone to the TikTok houses. Yeah. Yeah. I really like Thank this you. question in the chat. If Joe wasn't doing stir, what would he do in the creator space as a creator? Oh, interesting. Stream on Twitch, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> While playing video stream. games or something else? I'm not, like, the thing is, I I watch so much Twitch. People ask me all the time, what's my favorite creator platform? It's, it's easily Twitch. I think Twitch understands creators better than most platforms. They build these incredible experiences. My favorite, I'll just quickly say, is like a raid. So like when you're ending your stream, you can choose who to send your audience to. And then that creator gets a notification like, oh, you've just been raided by Lee. And it's like this, it's, it's incredible. Like, it's like, they just like found this behavior and then like productized it. And I always love that. I would stream on Twitch. 
what games fall guys some call of duty I don't, i've never played a game of Fortnite, but maybe i'd rock that if i was streaming i don't know i would definitely some among us some among us lobby yeah sure i'm looking to chat now <laughs> yeah. awesome let's get some other people up here i agree that creators are a completely new market i'm curious stir's core product is focused on creators who are monetizing already where do you see creators who have not monetized but could monetize where do they come from and what barriers do they face to kind of enter the monetization game? Yeah, great question. So two parts. So one, I definitely think, I think our product is, is like at least a single player overview mint play product just necessitates that you're making money in more than one place, right? I don't think we do enough, a good enough job on the single player side to helping the creator that's just getting started. And it's just like a fact that's where most of the market is. So it's definitely like a point of tension and focus for us is to, to improve, improve there. That being said, our hope and our plan and like what we're trying to learn as fast as possible on is like on this concept of collectives where it's like, you know, how do you, like we just do see already that more creators are sort of like, you know, more people just become creators because they don't have to go through the heavy work of like starting the channel or, or, you know, or like doing all, doing some of the early audience building stuff that they can sort of like, I don't want to say cheap, but like they can like work with another one and like build off that audience and sort of become a creator and make it easier. So we are trying to do more of that. It's definitely something that comes up all the time when we, when we speak to folks. I think we only have time for one more quick question. And I, I love this one from the chat. What are the most surprising things you've learned while supporting creators from Sean? Hmm. I mentioned this earlier, but they are incredibly business savvy for sure. They, they get it. Like they really do get it. I think like, so the one thing that always bummed me out is I never say the word influencer. Some people say it, which kind of bums me out when people say it too. And I, I usually don't say anything because I'm respectful, but like it does bum me out. But I think they get- Why is that, by the way? Because it has this like negative connotation. I mean, like people just, you know, they assume that it's like the LA, you know, girl that has two and a half million followers and is like calling the restaurant beforehand and saying like, I have two million followers, I want free lunch. Like, (laughs) that's just not the case for, for everyone. And like, people just think like a YouTuber is an influencer and it's like, no, it's, it's, it's different, right? It's just like so different. So I, I don't like the, the, the negative connotation on the word. So I always try and say creator. The, the other thing is like how hard they work. Like it, it's insane how hard they work. Eric, who, who's on our platform that we're really we're, we're close with, it, I mean, this, he works so hard for early stage company. We work pretty hard and like I, 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 he's putting in the same crazy hours. And um, I've seen this across multiple, multiple creators, like just how hard they work. I get surprised every day with the level of ideas they come up with. One of them called us the other day. They want to rent the billboard on top of Saddle Ranch and turn it into a giant dartboard. (laughs) (laughs) That would make an amazing video. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're trying to help them out do it, so. Yeah, <laughs> I, I agree with you on the hardworking piece. I also have issues with the term creator, by the way. I agree with you on influencer. Oh, interesting. Influencer kind of has the connotation of like shilling products and just selling out yeah. your audience and yeah. has this like very advertising heavy connotation. Creator, I also have issues with because, I mean, the origin of the term is that you're creating content, but I think there's a lot of solopreneurs out there who aren't creating content per se, but are still monetizing and aggregating an audience in some way. And they could be curators of content. They could be 
providing some sort of service like a coaching business and they're not yeah. creating but they're still monetizing yeah. that customer loyalty so i have so yet to word? determine the right word. I, I have one i have one that i've come up with i yeah i've never really said that publicly i, I like oh. to call them people businesses like they're not a small business they're like a people business right like that could be a creator that could be someone that runs a facebook group that could be like we've seen these like yeah these online coaches that like don't really consider them self-creators and I like that because like I said earlier, like they have the SMB needs and the consumer expectations, right? Like they're people. It also just like <laughs> expands your TAM. <laughs> like, yeah. Every person. <laughs> every person. Yes. I, I kind of like, since we have the passion economy as this convenient, you know, phrase for like the market, maybe it's passionistas. I don't know. Oh yeah, that's stick. come up. No, that has been suggested to me. Passionist, oh, really? Passionist, passionist is another one. I, I use solopreneur. I use like emerging entrepreneurs, micro entrepreneurs. But yeah, there is no great term because this whole landscape is so expansive and vast and there's so many subcategories and sub verticals. And there, I just have come to be reconciled with the fact that I don't think there's going to be a single term that everyone resonates with, just as in the old world where we were employed at companies, there was not a single one encapsulating word like worker or something. And so anyways, help me brainstorm guys. If you have suggestions, DM us. I think coaches (laughs) should just suck it up and adopt the label creator because they are creating stuff. (laughs) Creator is such a good one. It is good. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here today. And thank you guys so much for joining us and for all the thoughtful questions from the audience. Joe, before we wrap up, are there any links that you want to plug? Is there a newsletter that we can subscribe to or anything like that? Wow. I feel like you just put me on the spot to start a newsletter. I don't have one. We're trying to hire an amazing team. I think we have a pretty ambitious vision. I think we pitch our careers a little bit differently than most. We're insanely mission-driven. And we're looking for a diverse team to help us do it. And we want the opportunity to pitch you on why you should join us. So careers.uster.com, please check it out. Please apply. If you mentioned that you uh, came to this, I'll definitely notice it. Because <laughs> uh, yeah. like, if, you're, if you're watching things like this, clearly you, you, you care. You are a nerd um, about this topic and yeah, I wake up thinking about this place all the time. I'm sleeping about it, dreaming about it. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Careers.user.com. Um, apply to work with Joe and Kashal, the greatest team ever, except for all the other teams. All right. As, the, as the non-biased co-host, I'm going to cut <laughs> off the shilling now. <laughs> all right. Okay. Thank you guys so much for being here. Have a great weekend, everyone. <laughs>